0: The mission that he was sent to do, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, and to willingly go to the cross on behalf of sinners to be buried and to rise again from the dead, and to ascend into heaven today, where he receives our worship and our praise today. If anybody here does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I ask the Go after the 77, the 77% of our county today is not in church and far from God. So help us to be the people that you call us to be, and we ask you to pray all these things in
1: Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Wow, what a pleasure it is to be with you today. Driving up here, this is my first time to be in this part Of Kentucky. I've been in Kentucky on numerous occasions, but just not this part. Almost thou persuadest me to move to Kentucky. This is a beautiful place. I mean, I flew into Nashville and then drove up uh, 24 to get here. And my, what a beautiful drive. And you leave Tennessee and you get into Kentucky. And wow, the beautiful, those rolling hills there. It's such a beautiful place. And so I'm delighted to be with you in the great state of Kentucky and in your church. And I love and appreciate your pastor already. I love his spirit and his heart, and I want to thank him for the invitation that he has afforded me to be here with you uh, on this Sunday morning while we are engaged in a conference tomorrow with pastors, a preaching conference, both tomorrow during the daytime with uh, full-time pastors and then with bivocational pastors who cannot... Maybe not be able to attend in the daytime, but we'll be doing a conference with them tomorrow evening from about 6 to 8.30, and I look forward to that as well. But I'm delighted to be with you this morning, and I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the third Gospel in the Bible, in your New Testament. Luke, find your place in chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 We'll read verses 1 through 10 in a moment. Now, I know what you're thinking as you look at that text. You say, well, wait a minute. <clears throat> what in the world are you doing preaching on a Sunday school passage of Scripture? My goodness, why, Dr. Allen, don't you know this is... We all learned this in Sunday school. This is a, a Sunday school story. This is not a big church text to preach a sermon on. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And he climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Some of you are mouthing those words with me because if you were like me and you were raised in church when you were a child, you learned that little line, that little rhyme from the Nineteenth chapter of Luke's gospel and the story of Zacchaeus. Well, you know the story. But do you know the backstory? story? And do you know the rest of the story? Luke 19, beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, because today it is necessary. I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. If I were a travel agent in Israel in Jesus' day, and if you were to come to me and ask me for advice on the best place to take your family on a vacation, I would immediately place into your hands the Jericho brochure. Jericho. It is a beautiful green oasis in the midst of a brown and barren desert. Located 17 and a half miles northeast of Jerusalem, it is called and was then and still today called the City of Palms. It's a remarkable, beautiful place. As you approach the city, you see the stately palm trees. As you draw near, you see off to your right the beautiful citrus groves. And to your left are luscious rose gardens. Beautiful, expensive perfume was made from a plant that grew only in Jericho. In fact, the name of the city Jericho means fragrance. It's the word that means perfume. It is a remarkable place. During the days of King Herod, he built a winter palace there. A beautiful, beautiful city palace with colonnades That would rise to the sky. He had three large baths. A cold water bath. Warm water bath. And a hot water bath. He had a swimming pool that he built there. The size of a football field. Jewish aristocracy would come to vacation in Jericho. Roman aristocracy from Rome would come. And vacation in the winter time in Jericho. It was a remarkable place. It's an interesting place. Archaeologists tell us that the city of Jericho is the oldest continuously inhabited city on planet Earth. You will also discover that Jericho is the lowest city on the planet. It sits more than 800 feet below sea level. It is a remarkable place. But Jericho also has a biblical history behind it, does it not? Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. It was in Jericho that Elisha sprinkled salt into the bitter water, and God performed a miracle, and the bitter water became sweet. Behind the city of Jericho is the lofty crag of a mountain called the Mount of Temptation where three years earlier, Jesus, at the initiation of his public ministry, was led by the Holy Spirit into that mountain to be tempted 40 days and 40 nights. Jericho, last stop on the road to Jerusalem, is Jericho. And Jesus and his disciples are making their way Up north in Galilee, they are coming southbound down the beautiful Jordan Valley on their way to Jerusalem. And the last stop on the road to Jerusalem is Jericho. There Jesus would need a night, a place to stay overnight. And then on the next day, he would make the journey to the city. He would arrive there late afternoon the next day. And then the day after that, which would be on Sunday... He would make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And five days later after that. Would he be crucified on a cross in Jerusalem. Last stop on the road to Jerusalem is Jericho. Living in Jericho, Dr. Luke tells us. Is a man named Zacchaeus. We are told three things about Zacchaeus. Number one we are told he is a chief tax collector now don't let that slide by too quickly you say oh yeah we all we've heard about tax collectors we know all about tax collectors in the bible well yes you do but do you know about chief tax collectors you see zach sat atop a pyramid scheme the romans required taxes from all of their subjects including the impoverished jews And they farmed out the responsibility of collecting those hated taxes to chief tax collectors who then farmed their job out to other underlings and minions who would go out across the land collecting the hated taxes for the Romans. And the chief tax collectors were allowed by the Roman government. Once they paid what the government required, they were allowed to bilk the people for a little extra. They were allowed to stick their hand into your pocket and take out a little more than was required by the government and they could line their own pockets with whatever they could steal, confiscate from you, the people. And here's old Zach. And taxes were collected in three places in Israel. They were collected in Jerusalem, Capernaum, and Jericho. And here's old Zacchaeus, and he sits atop one of the big three. He is the kingpin of the Jericho tax cartel. And so he runs things. And because of that, he is the most hated, despicable, despised piece of scum on the planet, according to all of the other people in the city of Jericho. You see, tax collectors were hated by the people, they were considered. Lower than robbers and lower than murderers. The Jewish Mishnah, which is the commentary on the Old Testament, said that it was permissible for you to lie to a tax collector about your income in order to protect your property. You could lie to them about your salary. So the Jewish commentary on the Old Testament gave permission to Jewish people. Tax collectors, chief tax collectors, were of all people the most hated. They were unscrupulous, unprincipled, scheming, ruthless people. They were viewed by their own people as traitors. They were Jews who were traitors. They would be like a UK, UK wildcat sitting in the bleachers with other UK wildcats rooting for the cardinals. I mean, it would be unheard of. He would be despised. He would be hated And indeed, he was despised and hated. Every time people would see him coming down one side of the street, they would go to the other side. They would not even walk past him. They would never speak to him. No one ever invited him to a birthday party. He was never invited to anybody's wedding. Nobody ever named their children after Zacchaeus. He was the most hated man in town. But number two, Luke says... And he was rich. He was wealthy beyond the dreams of of avarice. He was so rich because he had stolen so much from the people. So see his house over there on the hill. The most beautiful house next to Herod's temple and palace. His house is the best house in town. The most luxurious house in town. He is filthy rich. And not only that, number three. Luke says... He was a short man. In terms of height, he was short. Now, I got to thinking about that one day. Why would the Bible say that? It's rare for the Bible to give that much detail about someone. He was a short man. So I did a little research. I did a little research about the average height of a Jewish male in the first century, in Jesus' day. Guess what I discovered? The average height of a Jewish man in Jesus' day was 5 feet 6 inches tall. That was the average height. Now, take a good look at me. I am 5 feet 6 inches tall if I'm wearing the shoes I'm wearing with regular heels. Otherwise, I'd be about 5'5 and a half. I am, in American culture, a short man. Most of the men in this room are taller than I am because in American culture the average height is well over 5 feet 6 inches tall. That's why most of you men are taller than I am. I am a short man in American culture. Well, if the average height in Israel was 5 feet 6, and if the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that Zacchaeus was a short man, then he must have been considerably shorter than I am. And so short was he that when Jesus came to town and everybody came out to see Jesus, poor old Zacchaeus, because he was short, he couldn't get in edgewise, couldn't elbow his way through the crowd in order to see Jesus because of his short height. On the day Jesus came to town, folks, I mean, everybody had heard about Jesus. They had not met him, most of them, but they had heard about him. They had heard about his preaching. They had heard about his teaching. They had heard about his miracles. And the whole city, everybody had come out to see Jesus. I mean, this is like Elvis and Princess Diana and Michael Jackson and the Pope have all come to Jericho at the same time. And everybody has come out to see him. I mean, there are gray beards on crutches and babies in mother's arms and everybody in between pushing, pulling, shoving, jostling, trying to get down to the center of the street in order to see Jesus as he passes by. And here's little Zach. And he can't get through. But being the unscrupulous entrepreneur that he was, he knows that right down the road where Jesus will pass is the Ficus sycamoris. A sycamore tree. A tree that grows to about 40 feet in height. It has a large round trunk and the branches of the tree grow out almost parallel to the ground. And therefore a sycamore tree is one of the easiest trees to climb. And so old Zach scampers down the road, scampers up the trunk of that tree, finds himself a limb where he can perch right over the street where Jesus is about to pass by. I mean, he's got the best view of anybody. He's on the 50-yard line. He is right behind home plate. He's got the best seat in the house. And Scripture says as Jesus passed by, he stopped. And he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from that tree. Today I must stay at your house. Zacchaeus was shocked. He couldn't believe it. He could not have been more surprised if the tree itself had called out his name. How in the world does this man Jesus know my name? I've never met him before. And not only that, he is asking to come and to stay in my house. Zacchaeus was shocked. He was surprised, but he was joyful because the Bible says quickly did he come down and he welcomed Jesus joyfully. Look at that. He quickly came down and he welcomed Jesus joyfully. You know, who do you think is the meanest, most unscrupulous man who lives here in this community who is the worst sinner here who is the man who is the least likely person to ever darken the door of a church much less get saved who would that person be that's who kiss was to everybody else in town and yet Jesus stopped looked up called him by name And said, come down today, I must stay at your house. You know, there's something interesting about that to me. Jesus is blind to something. He's blind to something. Jesus is blind to crowds. He only sees individuals. He doesn't see the crowds. He only sees individuals. He sees Bill and Susan and Tom and Mary, John, Tammy. He doesn't see the crowds. He only sees individuals. Just like today, he doesn't see the crowd in this church. He sees individuals. He sees you. He knows your name. And like he calls his name, he calls your name especially those of you, if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're in this building today, He's calling your name. He is inviting you to come to Him and find forgiveness of your sins and salvation. Zacchaeus couldn't believe that Jesus would speak to him and invite himself to stay in his own home. Joyfully, he comes down. He welcomes Jesus joyfully. But, Verse 7, all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. This is how we know that most of the people who lived in Jericho were Baptists. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. Can you believe that Jesus is talking to that sinner chief tax collector? Can you believe what she's wearing? in church today? Can you believe that they came into our church? Can you believe that those people of a different color dared to come into our church today? The clipboard committee. Jericho had a clipboard committee. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. Have you ever noticed how some of us church people are not nearly so interested about the salvation of those who aren't in our group as Jesus is. you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that some of the most critical people on the planet are church people? Have you ever noticed how many people in our churches are members of the clipboard community? Now, I have a piece of advice for you. If you are here today and you're a member of the clipboard committee, resign today. In fact, if your church has a clipboard committee, I have a suggestion for you. Disband that committee today. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. Nothing could have done more to discredit Jesus in the eyes of the people of Jericho than for him to invite himself into the home of a sinner like Zacchaeus that the rest of the city wouldn't touch with a ten-foot pole. All of Jericho snickered up their sleeves to think that Jesus didn't have any better sense than to invite himself into the home of a sinner like a chief tax collector who's a traitor to everybody else. Why in the world would Jesus do that? All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But you see, Jesus doesn't look at things like we do. Jesus doesn't look at people like we do. No. No. Jesus sees the individuals, and he loves them, and he cares about them. And he desires their salvation, and he calls them to himself. And he calls the name, Zacchaeus, you come down today. I've got a divine appointment with you, Zac. Today, I must stay. Overnight, I must stay in your house. Well, then I hear what Zacchaeus responded to Jesus. He stood there, verse 8 says, and he said two things to the Lord. He said, Lord, look. That's an interesting word, by the way, in the Bible. It's a little word. Don't don't overlook the little word look here. It is a word that means, now, everybody pay attention because what I'm about to say is significant. What's about to happen is significant. He says, look, Lord. He said, I'm going to give 50% of my income to the poor. And number two, if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'm going to pay back four times as much. You see, Zacchaeus had done too little good and too much bad. And he wanted to rectify both now that he has come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And therefore he says, Lord, look, I'm going to give 50% of my income to the poor. If you were a Jew in the first century... And you gave 20% of your income to the poor, 20%. You were considered somebody. You got your name in the synagogue bulletin for giving 20% to the poor. Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'm going to give 50% to the poor. How many of you here today give 50% of your income, your entire salary every year? You give 50% to the poor. Let me see. Uh Uh-huh. Neither do I. But Zacchaeus did. And not only that, he said, Lord, if I have extorted anything from anybody, I'm going to pay back for (laughs) it. You talk about tax reform. (laughs) You, You talk about the day tax reform. That's the day tax reform came to the city of Jericho. Can you imagine if you go to your mailbox... Tomorrow, and you open the lid, and you there's a letter there from the IRS addressed to you. And you open it up, and you read it. And the letter says, Dear, and there's your name. You know, we've got to thinking about things over these last few years, and we feel like we may have extracted more taxes from you than we should have. And therefore, we have just decided that we are going to pay you back four times what we have taxed you overly. And so encloses a check for X amount of dollars in order to pay you back four times what we have taken from you. Now, how many of you got a letter like that from the IRS? And how many of you expect to get a letter like that from the IRS? Well, of course not. You know, the IRS, they're here to help us. You know. Of course not. Nobody does that. But you see, this is evidence that Zacchaeus had truly met Jesus because, ladies and gentlemen, when you come to know Christ, He changes your life. And He changes every part of your life. When salvation comes to you, everything changes, including how you look at people, how you treat people, and how you relate to people. And those who do wrong, once they come to know Christ, they make good on what they have done wrong. And so Mr. Stingy becomes Mr. Generous. Mr. Tax Collector, Chief Tax Collector, who's stolen from people and taken food out of the mouths of children. Now, he's giving 50% of his entire income to the poor and he's giving back fourfold. Take a number and get in line. If you've been cheated by me, Zach says, I'm going to pay you back four times as much. You see, that's how we know salvation had come to old Zach. And that's exactly what Jesus said in verse 9. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. Now, that's an interesting thing for the Lord to say, an odd thing for the Lord to say. He too is a son of Abraham. Why would the Lord say that? All right, all Jewish people prided themselves on their heritage. We are children of Abraham. We are sons and daughters of Abraham. All the rest of you Gentile dogs... You all are not among the elect. You're not among the chosen. We are God's chosen people. We are the nation of Israel. God is our God. We are his chosen people. We are sons of Abraham, the pride of the Jewish people. But you see, because of Zacchaeus, even though he was Jewish, because of the fact that he was a chief tax collector, he was viewed as a traitor. And the rabbis would preach that chief tax collectors lost their salvation and were no longer a part of the covenant of Israel. And when they died, they went to hell, which is what they deserve. And what does Jesus say? No, too. He salvation's come to this house. He too is a son of Abraham. And then comes the most important sentence. In the story, lean in and listen closely. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Fourteen monosyllables. Not a single one, more than four letters long. And yet they encapsulate the total ministry and message of Jesus, the New Testament, and all of the Bible. Jesus, the Son of Man, has come to seek and to save the lost. Notice Jesus calls himself Son of Man. Why did he do that? In fact, it's his favorite title for himself in the four Gospels. Why choose that title, Son of Man, interesting title. It comes from the book of Daniel chapter 7 where in Daniel 7 there is the prophecy That one like the Son of Man is going to come. And God gives him the rule and the reign of the world. And he becomes the Savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And that is terminology that every Jew knew and understood was descriptive of the coming Messiah. And Jesus is claiming to be that person. The Son of Man. He's the one who comes to rule and to reign. He is the Savior. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Lost. It's a harsh word. Lost, a dark word. Lost. A word that describes the Christless eternity. A loss that describes those of you who don't know Christ separated from God for all eternity in a place called hell. Lost. It's an apt word that describes the condition of every person who does not know Christ. Lost. Lost dog. Lost ship. Lost son. Lost. By the way, there are two kinds of lost. First, there is lost beyond recovery. The ship sinks to the bottom of the ocean. It's lost beyond recovery. You may build another ship, but that ship is lost. Your house burns to the ground. That house is lost beyond recovery. You may build another house, but that house is lost. It's lost beyond recovery. But there's another kind of loss. There's lost and found. Have you ever lost something and then found it? Of course you have, every one of us in this room. We know what it is to lose something. Sometimes we lose something and we never find it. But on other occasions, we may lose something. And later, a day later, a week later, a month later, even a year later, we find it. Lost and found. Jesus talked about lost and found. Four chapters to the left of Luke 19 is Luke 15. And in Luke 15, Jesus told three stories. He said, there was a lost sheep. Ninety-nine were safe over here, but the shepherd left them in care of others, and he sought that lost sheep and he found him put him on his shoulders and brought him back to the 99 who were safe my sheep it was lost but now it is found there was a woman who had 10 coins and she lost one of those coins what did she do oh she searched her house I mean under every nook and cranny, moving everything, all the furniture, until she found that coin. And then the Bible said, Jesus tells us, he, she rejoiced because her coin had been lost, but now it is found. And then there was a lost son. We call him the prodigal. He went out into the far country and wound up in the hog pen of sin. He was broke, and finally he came to himself, and he said, If I just go home... I'm not even worthy to be a son anymore. Maybe Daddy will let me be a servant. And so the prodigal son is on the road coming home and the father sees him at a distance and runs to meet him and welcomes him with open arms. And he said, this my son was dead, but he's alive again. This my son was lost, but now he is what? Found. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Those are the people that Jesus has come to seek. Those are the Zacchaeuses of the world. And we were all, those of us who are here today who know Jesus, we were once like Zacchaeus, probably minus all of the wealth. But we were lost just like he was lost and Jesus sought us and Jesus found us and Jesus called us by name and we received him and believed in him and he saved us by his grace. We were lost but we're found. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He's seeking everyone's salvation. No one is left out. He desires the salvation of all people everywhere. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. The lost millionaire and the lost monarch. The lost prostitute and the lost prodigal. The lost skeptic and the lost scholar. It matters not who you are. Jesus is the hound of heaven on your trail. He is seeking your salvation. You're not seeking Him. But he desires your salvation. And he died on that cross. In order to procure your salvation. In order to provide an opportunity for you to be saved. Last stop. On the road to Jerusalem. Is Jericho. And Jesus looked up and said. Zach come down from that tree. But then. Eight days later, Jesus was lifted up on a tree. He was lifted up on the cross where he died for the sins of Zacchaeus, all of the people of Jericho, all of the people of Israel, and all of the people of the world, including you and including me. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And if you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Savior, maybe you're a guest here today. The wonderful news is Jesus is seeking you. You may not be looking for him. He's looking for you. And he's calling your name and drawing you even now to his salvation, which he offers you as a gift, free of all things. If you will meet his condition of salvation, which is repentance of sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus, you come down today. I must stay at your house. Jesus was lifted up on that cross for you and for me. And so let's do business with him today. You know the story. Now you know the back story. And now you know the rest of the story. Because you see, you are the rest of the story. His mission is your mission. His purpose is your purpose. His goal is your goal. His desire should be your desire. And from now until Jesus comes or until he takes you and me home to be with him, our job on this planet should be finding as many Zacchaeuses out there as we can and introducing them to the love of the God who is seeking them and who desires their salvation and who is calling them by name Inviting them to come to faith in Christ. Let's get with it. Let's get busy. Let's get on mission. And oh yes, in the process. Don't forget about the men in trees. Father in heaven, as we come to this time of response. Lord, a time where your people respond. To your word. I pray right now that you would speak. To every heart. And if there is one person here without Christ. Lord help them today to come to Jesus. Oh Lord as you are even now. Drawing them to faith in Christ. Convicting them of their sin. I pray Father that they would place their faith in Christ. And become a member. Of your kingdom. And a member of your people. Who are yours. Lord speak to us as Christians. Lord help us from this message, from this passage of Scripture, from this story. Many of us have known from childhood, but Lord, let this be a reminder to us and an encouragement to us and a challenge to us today that we are on mission with you to to encourage people and share with people the love of Christ. Lord, thank you for Jesus and for this wonderful story that teaches us your love for us. So now let us respond as you lead us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Pastor is here. Prayer altar is here. You may just want to come and kneel and pray. And then go back to your seat. Whatever you need to do, come. If you need Christ, would you come and let us pray for you. And lead you to the Savior today. Now is your time. Would you come, even now, right now?
2: And fix my eyes upon you, Jesus. For you